morning. As usual, I'm a nervous wreck, but I think you know that already. It's my normal form, isn't it? And uh, I was just saying to Alison before the service started, I don't know why I keep saying yes to this, putting myself through all this stress. But you know, I really believe that God has a word for us this morning. I mean, I don't know your backgrounds. I know some people, but not that well. Um, I don't know your start in life. I have no idea. You don't know mine. But God does. And that's the most important thing. And what my title for this morning's message is, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Um, And it's things I've learned through personal experience. It's things I've learned through cultural, from the cultural background that I have. And as you know, these are the sort of things I will share with you this morning. There's some things I'm going to share that I'm really scared about sharing because it's not sort of stuff I would normally share. But I feel it's God's way and also it's the best way to get his point across, I think, when we share about something we've gone through ourselves and how God's brought us out the other end. So there's lots of that sort of thing. But I wanted to start with a verse that we've been looking at since the beginning of this year. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. It's something that we've been looking at for the last how many weeks. And was prayed this morning before the service. It wasn't a verse just for then. But, you know, we believe it's a verse for probably the whole of this year. We're going to see God do something through that verse. And I think it covers that many areas in our personal lives, in our walk with God, that um, I think that's probably why it's such a key verse for us at this time. So one of the unplayed grounds that many of us need to break up is accepting that God knew our start and he knows our finish. The difference is you had no say in your start but you do have a say in how you finish. Your life is really a story. The introduction, the beginning. There are many people that feel their life did not start very well. Can I just enlighten you? None of us was called upon for ideas before we entered this world. We didn't have a choice of what parents we were going to belong to, how much money they've got in the bank, did they deserve us? There was none of that. We just came. And you might say, I would have liked to have had a choice. It would have been good. But you know something? The start we had was just a start. We do the rest, if you know what I mean. Does your start in life put you off going forward in God? Are you full of excuses? When God asks you to step out of your comfort zone, like I am, (laughs) always got excuses. (laughs) Do you find it hard to accept the love of a father God? Do you find there is too many times where you just don't feel good enough to be part of his family? A psychiatrist I was reading up on, on, on basically about um, being transformed by the renew of your mind, which is a key verse that I will use throughout my talk this morning. And he said, 
talking to patients, you know, with depression and other sort of, you know, things that they go through and trying to talk them through the process. He said, insight points you in the right direction, but it doesn't give you the power to make the trip. And that is so true. You know, somebody can tell you about what you're going through and, you know, what happened and why you feel the way you do. But how do you get from that point to a point where you accept yourself, you believe that God really loves you, or you believe that other people can love you, and go forward. It is very hard. Only God can give you the power to make that trip. Only God. So, like I said, my verse, Romans 12, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, let's start the transformation. Your beginning, how did you come to be? Was it a twinkle in your parents' eyes? It could have been through teenaging experience. It could have been parents that didn't really want children, but you just happened. It could have been by force, by rape. I don't know your stories. But I know these things happen. And I know that they can set a course for a lot of people's lives. And I believe that God wants to break up that unplowed ground this morning. It doesn't matter how you start, but it matters how you finish. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Does that sound like somebody who doesn't care about you? Does that sound like somebody who's not bothered about your story, about your ending? That's somebody who really cares, really loves you. And he showed it. God knew where you were at. And he was with you right there at the start. Might have been the start that you wanted. But it was the start that was chosen for you. But you can make a difference for the rest of your story and your ending. Think about these people. Moses, we read about him in Exodus. He was brought up by a family that wasn't his own. What a start. How did he feel? Did he feel rejected? Did he feel he wasn't really wanted? I mean, fortunately for him, not like many others, you know, his mother was his nurse, his real mother. So he knew he was loved. But I dare say he had lots of questions. Joseph, he was the favorite. Got a nice coat. And yet his brothers betrayed him, sold him. But, you know, his start was rough. But his finish was amazing. What about Jesus? Now, he was an amazing one to follow. Because he was born to an inexperienced teenager. That was like two of my previous points. Some people struggle with just one. He was born to an inexperienced teenage girl. A girl. You know, and I just think... But his finish was amazing. I know he was God's son, 
but his finish was amazing. He wasn't born in a palace, but he was king of kings and lord of lords. He wasn't born in some posh house with beautiful gardens, top-of-the-range cars, parents had loads of money in the bank. He wasn't born in that sort of atmosphere, that sort of environment. He was born in a stable, smelly old stable, to a teenager. But look at his finish. He suffered a terrible death. His journey wasn't great. But he made a way for humanity to be reconciled to the Father. Wow. That is what you call an amazing finish. And you know what? He's given us the power to have a finish similar to that. And what we've got to do is believe it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's all up here. That's where we've got to make the change. Then there's the flip side, isn't there? Many are born into fame and money and have great lives. They become successful, some in their own rights, some in the, on the backs of their parents. And some have great endings, and yet some lose their way. I don't know if you saw the funeral of Whitney Houston yesterday. I mean, her ending wasn't great. And look where she came from. She might have had loads of money, but she had God. She knew about him. She had experienced him. And yet, you know, she was took off course by choices that you make. But I have to say, the funeral was incredible. Witness to the world of how your life can be. I really believe your start is just that. It's just a start. But your story and the finish is what really matters. It doesn't have to end the way that it started. Um, and this is where I bring some of my culture in, just to explain some of the things to you that I'm trying to say. Since the late 40s, people have been, you know, coming to this country from the Caribbean. Many parents, you know, left their firstborn child back in the Caribbean to be brought up by grandparents and uncles and aunties because, one, they couldn't afford the fare to bring them, and it was such uncertainty when they came to this country. And, um, and then they would arrive after weeks on a ship, which I can't even begin to imagine. It was bad enough going to France on a ferry. But, you know, to imagine 22 days on a ship, no way, you know. And, but this, this is what they had to do. And um, as I said, they left their, their children, you know, back in the Caribbean. And, and then they got here and life wasn't easy, as you well know. You've probably heard all the stories. It wasn't easy for them. But they had to get a job. They had to find somewhere to live. And they rented places or they saved enough money. Some had two jobs, just enough to maybe get a deposit on the house. And when they'd done that, obviously life went on. They had children. They were living their lives. They didn't forget about the children or the child they left back in the Caribbean. But it was just being able to afford to get them over here. Then finally the day comes. You know, the child is uh, sent for by their parents to come over. And they're on a an aeroplane, which is massive to them. They wouldn't have seen anything so big, apart from on the TV, those that had them. And um, they flew alone, maybe just, a, you know, an attendant, sort of just making sure they were okay on the trip. They arrive in a very strange country. <laughs> it's cold and it's grey. <laughs> 
Believe me, that is the first thing you notice when you come from somewhere hot and sunny. And that's even when you've been on holiday and you come back, you realise how grey, you know, England can be. It's not always like that, though. But not, that's not all. When they get there, you know, they find out where they're going to live. And, and all of a sudden, they have siblings that, yes, they've probably heard about, but they don't know. They've got to get used to them. They've got to learn to love them because they're their family. They go to schools. And many, you know, sort of arrived here in their teenage years. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been? But, you know, I realised that that must have been tough. I mean, I wasn't one of them. But one of my, my eldest brothers was one of those. Very hard. He had a tough time. But, you know, and he went through some serious issues and, um, and it impacts the family. But, you know, I started to look at it and I thought, but how else would you react in that sort of situation if you felt that maybe you weren't loved the same as the others or, you know, maybe your parents had forgotten about you and you were an afterthought and you were brought back? It was very difficult. And I know my brother found it difficult but now, praise God, you know, he's sort of involved with young people and all that sort of stuff in Wales, and he's, he's doing great. But it was tough, those early years for him. But I didn't realise how tough till I started to look at this. But, you know, we are able to make choices, and they are able to make choices. And it's not just the Caribbean community now. We have loads of people coming to England from other countries it's difficult. They're filling the schools and it's tough. They don't feel loved. And we are here to make a difference. But they are here to make their choices. Some good and some bad to change their ending. Jabez, his name means pain. Can you imagine living with that name? And I must admit, I was tempted to put I haven't written it down, but I'm going to say it because I've thought it. I might as well say it. Can you imagine living with that handle to your jug? (laughs) I remember people saying that at school. What a handle to your jug, you know, that name, Jabez. Meaning pain. He was born in pain. Yet two verses and one prayer later, and he allowed God to completely rewrite his ending. You can read that in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And this is the key bit. And God granted his request God wants to grant your request this morning he doesn't want you to be stuck at the beginning keep rewinding the tough times the hard times the bad times he wants you to move forward he wants to grant your request this morning how do we make that change like I said Romans 12 verse 2 Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. The New Living Translation of that says, I am counting on the Lord. 
Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. Now, as a youngster, as a teenager, I went through a, a, depressive, moment, a depressive time in my life. And I think it was because I felt pulled in directions because I, I knew I wanted to go on with God. But also, you know, I didn't know what sort of job I wanted to do. You know, my life was changing. And I think this is something that teenagers do face. You know, you don't know what you're going to do. You've got a whole life ahead of you. And you know that the decisions you make now could impact the rest of your life. It's very difficult. And I remember going through a real depressive time. And I remember, you know, I think I was about late, latter part of my 17 years. I think I must have been nearly 18. And I can remember not being able to sleep. And then fear started to creep in. And I started to think, my thought pattern was, well, if I don't know what I want to be, what I want to do, that means I'm not going to have a very long life. Then I started to panic. Then fear started to get into my life. And then I had to say, God... You know, take control here because I am struggling. But I tell you, I couldn't sleep and I was going weeks without sleep to the point I was 18. You imagine that. My mum used to get in from work every morning. She used to work at a hospital. And, and she used to say to me, Pat, just get into bed with me. And she used to just cuddle me and pray for me. 18 I was. I wasn't five. I was 18. Do you know, but I tell you, I realised then... And I had lots of good advice. And God had showed me that it's his word that was going to get me through. It was his word. And I tell you, Romans 12 verse 2 is key. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's all up here. This is where we've got to win the battle. Because the enemy seeks to destroy. I know I've said it many times, but that's his aim. That's his goal. But I tell you, with lots of prayer and support, I got through that time. And I'm not saying I never get depressed because sometimes I can feel myself sliding back there and then I think, God. And I hold on to positive scripture and, I, you know, and God pulls me back and he says, Pat, remember this word. Remember what I said. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I love you with an everlasting love. I am faithful to the end for you. Believe me, it's important we get it. Let's get our mind renewed this morning so that we can be transformed for him. John 15, verse 9 to 17. I won't probably read all of it. Well, I might. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, this is what Jesus says. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. 
This is the verse, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. But verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear fruit. And it's fruit that will last. Good things can come out of bad situations. You've just got to look for them. You really have. Um, as I was saying earlier about Whitney Houston's um, funeral, uh, she had the Winans on now. When I was a youngster, the Winans were the thing in the gospel world. Um, and, you know, they were amazing. And uh, Benjamin Winans sang uh, yesterday. But I remembered a song that uh, they had written, and it was called It's Time time to make a change and it's just the bridge of the song really the lyrics I just want to read to you in the chorus and the bridge was I know we can do it somebody asked me why do we have to go through it it's just a test of our faith what we're living day to day we don't know where we don't know when but he's coming back again it's time time to make a change We are the people who can do it. It's time. Time to make a change. We are his people. We can do it. And we can do it. And we have to believe God that we can do it. My story, I I did like a timeline, which I will quickly run through for you. And it was from when I was born in West Bromwich Hospital in 1960. These are the highs and lows of my life. And I haven't put them all in. But these were the highs and lows of my life. But I want you to see that God can use anything and bring you through anything. Because I am living testimony to what God can do. 1960, I was born. It's not every year. Don't worry about it, because I'm nearly 52. You'd be here a long time. (laughs) 1960, I was born. 1973, I was 13, diagnosed with a lump in my breast. A small op, it wasn't cancerous, but the lump was growing rapidly. 1974, I gave my life to the Lord. Both myself and my father was taken seriously ill at the same time. He had hepatitis and was admitted to one hospital and I was admitted to another. 1974, my grandfather dies. 1974, I have an operation to remove massive lump and skin graft. 1974, my father becomes a Christian. That was amazing, I tell you. It was worth all the rest just to see him come to know God. 1975, my first journey on an aeroplane to the Caribbean. It was an experience. (laughs) That was a high. 1976, I was baptised in water and in the Holy Spirit. 
1977, I left school and got a job. 1978, my first mission trip to Germany. It changed my life. 1980, I attended a Bible college for two years. You didn't know that, did you? 1982, voluntary work for my local church, and I did a secular job as well. 1987, I met a guy and I fell in love. 1988, I got married. 1989, I had a miscarriage. 1990, I had my first son. 1991, my father died. 1992, I had my second son. Year 2000, I came to Zion. Is that high or low? I'll let you decide. (laughs) Year 2001, I had another big operation. Year 2005, my mother died. Between 1982 and the year 2000, I was involved in leading youth, home group leaders. We were involved in worship. We were very involved in the church. But what I told you that is because I want you to know I haven't listed everything. And the last six, seven years of my life has been just as eventful, highs and lows. But peppered throughout, I have seen God's hand on my life. Some of you have been through a lot more than I have, and some maybe not as much. Whichever, God is with you through it all. The key that God gave me was use it for good and encourage others and do not use it for bad and be bitter. Romans 12 verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That's Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Hebrews 13 verse 5 and 6, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I want to show a short clip really now. It's one I've picked. Um, In 1977, a 17-year-old girl who was over seven months pregnant gave birth to a two-pound baby girl in an abortion clinic. It was after a failed abortion. This girl now has cerebral palsy, and she was four before she was able to walk unaided. She has spoken in the House of Commons. She has spoken to the President of America. She has spoken to many leaders in America. She's spoken in Australia, all over, just giving her story of how she had a terrible start. But I tell you, she's going to have an amazing finish because God has used her. Now, she could say, what I've been through has been terrible. And she does say that. But she hasn't let it write her end line, her last line of her story, the last line of her book. doesn't end on a sad note. It will end on a high note. And um, her name's Jana Jessen, and it's just for a few short minutes. I would really like you to just watch this, if you could. Thank you. Thank you. Um, basically, I think she says what I wanted to say. Her, fin- her start was not good. And she bears the scars of her start. 
But I tell you, her finish is going to be incredible. Her story is amazing. And the thing is, you know, if she didn't have that start, she wouldn't have done any of those things that she's done. She might have run the marathons, but she wouldn't have spoken to people in high places. Now, I'm not here to talk about abortion. That's not my message. But my message is, is your start doesn't have to determine your finish. You can make the choices. You can make the changes. And like she said, it's the forgiveness factor. God forgives you for how you feel about yourself. I don't know if people, if anybody's had an abortion here. I really don't know. And that's between you and God. But what I do know is any guilt of any form or every, any fashion, God forgives. And he wants to take that away. So please don't let your start in life determine your ending. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God take you to spiritual, physical, and emotional places where he can transform and renew you. He wants to make the changes to give you a glorious ending to your story. He wants to mend broken hearts and remove bars that you feel are protecting you from further hurts. He wants your story to be vibrant and full of life and touching others. He wants to wash you in his word and fill you with his spirit. So, your ending... I just want to just read quickly uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. God wants to make a change in our lives. He wants to change you. And I just want to finish with a prayer, really. And, um, and I want you to repeat it after me. So if you just close your eyes. It's one that I'd, I've copied. It was in my reading, yesterday's reading, and I just felt it was just so apt for this moment. So if you repeat after me, Lord, help me see myself with the full potential I have in Jesus Christ. My temptation is to see myself according to my past. But starting today, I ask you to help me to see myself through the promises of your word. I know that with your grace and power, I can rise above any weakness or infirmity that has hindered me in the past. I turn to your grace and I ask you to release your power in me so I can step into the reality of the person you have made me to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.